Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalp would be thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo or personality. Eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome to the Rage Nation. This is going to be kind of an episode for some of you um, newer players out there that are getting into the game. Uh, we went back and kind of looked at it, and some of our newer uh, Guild Ball player episodes have either elapsed or aren't relevant anymore because of the new erratas in season. So we felt like it's time to record for our new players. Isn't that right, Chris? Yep. We want to make sure to take care of all those players that are looking to get into the game or are brand new. We recognize that a lot of you that are listening, uh, this is going to be a little bit elementary for you, but we hope to be a resource to you in order to, you know, point new players in this direction to kind of give them breakdowns of the guilds and those types of things as they're looking to learn about the game. Uh, Maybe even give you some tips as far as getting others into the game. Uh, For those that are more experienced players but want to build up your meta, uh, we've done that here. Pete and I have both gotten numerous players into Guild Ball over the years. And so uh, we want to be able to help you guys build a community. And we think that Guild Ball is about to kind of cycle back forward into prominence. And so we're excited for that. Yeah, I was going to say, even if you don't, even if you're a more seasoned player, I think that this episode would be good not just to point out to some of your newer players, but also just to uh, basically just kind of learn how to kind of grow a community and learn how, you know, you might want to present the game to uh, to new players and try to get people involved. So first thing that we just kind of want to talk about is just the game in general, Chris. So when we have somebody that comes up to the table while we're playing the game and ask us, okay, what do you, what are you guys playing? What is generally the thing you like to tell them? Well, I don't tell them, leave us alone, freak. Um, That is generally (laughs) frowned upon. But (laughs) um, when someone comes up to our table and asks about the game, I'm like, yeah, this is a fun little game that's kind of a medieval soccer-themed game. Uh, I think that's a real easy way for people to understand it. And depending on how much of a gamer they are, I usually try and ask them, you know, about their experience gaming. And if they're somebody that are familiar with tabletop games or miniatures games, then I'll go a little bit more in, in depth and in saying, yeah, this is a skirmish game, uh, very small teams. Um, and that way they kind of get a good flavor for it. And then I, I, if they have even more experience with gaming, then I can start drawing the comparisons that, okay, this is like Malifaux or this is like crisis protocol or whatever, you know, other skirmish type games that have, synergies between the models and you know characters yeah i mean when the first thing i always say is the same thing to to people that come to the table i'm just like yeah this is pretty much like medieval soccer but you get to punch each other in the face as well i mean i that's pretty much how i always sell this when somebody asks me what it is yeah i I think that's a great way to go and that immediately will get people's attention because then they know that they have, you know, kind of that 
scoring element of the game, and they also know that they can have the punch each other in the face fighting element. Well, and I think also one of the things that usually first brings people's attention to the game when you're playing it is, one, I would say that I, I always get more attention when I'm playing Guild Ball when the teams are painted. Uh, if they're just plastic figures that aren't painted, a lot of times people just kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. But when they're painted, people are like, oh, man, that's really cool. And, you know, there's a lot of cool detail on that model. Can I take a look at this? And there's a lot more excitement when, you know, it's actually like, painted and presented as the game was intended yeah i agree with that i think that one thing that is a strong way to approach it is to have a good relationship with your local store and if you can set up a table that's a little bit more toward the front to where you have more people passing by and viewing the game Um, the other element is a lot of times we try and play with you know terrain that's either painted or modeled we're not just uh playing with you know, felt pieces. Uh, a lot of times we will use neoprene, um, but I think the neoprene pre- presents well as well. So that's fine. But yeah, if, if you can, if you can put more models, well-painted models on the table, you have a prominent spot in the store. That's a good way to start getting some attention on the game. Yeah. And when you try to sell like guild ball to somebody who's kind of coming up to the table and stuff, like, what are some of the strong features of Guild Ball that you're like, yeah, this is why you want to play this game over another game? Sure. So one of the things that I think really intimidates people with miniatures gaming in general is they think, man, this is going to be a huge investment. This is going to be really difficult to you know, have to assemble these models. Maybe they don't have experience modeling or maybe they know of games like 40K where you're having to put in hundreds of dollars and you know, build up an entire army that's 2,000 points and all that stuff. One thing that I really like to share with people is I'm like, yeah, the great thing about this is you can buy one box and start playing, and you can play a full game. And especially now that Guild Ball has released these team boxes, you're able to get even the tokens that are in there. I know that that's one thing that new players are usually pretty excited about, that the tokens are even in there. They just really have to provide their own dice, and that's about it. Um, I guess there are things like plot cards, and we could really start nitpicking and picking out other things they have to get. But for the most part, if somebody's looking to join our group, grab a box. You and I would give them dice if they needed dice, and yeah. we have all the plot cards and things you know that they could possibly need. So if they're playing a game with us, they can just use our stuff. Yeah, and I would say that definitely when somebody is like, hey, what is really cool about this game? I just say the fact that you know, it's one, it's a sports game. So if you like sports, it's just, it's, it's fun because, you know, you're competing, but it's also fun because you get to get a little roughed up. You get to, you know, get into it kind of like rugby. And then on top of that, the models look really cool. Like you said, it's a low model count. And then I would also sell a lot of the mechanics of the game where I really enjoy the alternate activating that you get to do the, um, you know, going back and forth and, you know, I activate one model and you activate one model. And we just keep going back and forth until all the models have been activated once in that turn. And I think that's one of the really big selling points of the game is just how basically the, it's a, it's one of the cleanest games that I've, um, that I've played just because it's like, you just, you can pretty much read the rules and be like, okay, this is the way that happens. Okay. I'm within a one inch of terrain. Okay. So this happens. I, 
you know, you're within my two inch reach. So you're engaged. So it's just, it seems very clean and straightforward with a lot of the rules, which makes for a fun gameplay experience. Yeah, I agree with that. And one thing that I think is undervalued in this game is so many of these games have a really steep learning curve, but yeah. Honestly, if you just wanted to teach somebody what the basic numbers are on the top of that card and you just wanted them to know how kick and tack and defense and armor worked, you could really just play a game with somebody that's new just using the front of the cards and just saying, hey, don't even worry about the back of the card. Let's just use the front of these cards. And obviously for those of us that are really experienced players, we're like oh come on like let's use the back of the cards because that's what enables a lot of these models to do all sorts of cool stuff but for new players i try to just keep them on the front of the card and then by the end of the game they're like oh this is easy like you know i know how i know how much i have to roll here when i attack someone and how to calculate whether or not i'm hitting them and their armor and all that kind of stuff it's it's a really easy game to learn and it's it can be broken into nice bite-sized pieces that a lot of other games don't offer. Like if you try and get into a game like War Machine or you try and get into a game like 40K and you don't have experience, it can drown someone because of all the little yeah. details and extra I, books. I would definitely agree with that because like I've given demos in lots of different games and I will say that Guild Ball is one of those games where like it's one of the few tabletop games I've played where it's like, by the end of it, it's the person learning the game is like, hey, I can I can play another game and pretty much I know how this works. Whereas, like you said, War Machine 40K and other games, they're like, yeah, you're gonna have to run me through another demo. I, I don't have a hang of this yet. Yeah, I, I feel like that was the case for me with War Machine is just that I had to have friends that just held my hand for games to yeah. just work me through how to activate and use the use my focus right and all that kind of stuff with this. I mean, once somebody really gets a grasp of that front side of the card and how to just go about choosing, choosing their options, they really can grab a hold of it quick. And then, and then it, it does become fun. Cause then on turn two and three, you can start getting into things like, okay, this is how you can use momentum to heal, or this is how the gang up bonuses work, but you can leave all of that shit out if you see that you're with somebody that's like taking a little bit more time to learn it, maybe, it, maybe it's a younger kid, maybe it's an inexperienced gamer, or it's just somebody that kind of learns slowly. Um, you can really scale it nicely. And let me ask you this, Chris, cause I, I feel like Guild Ball is one of the more flavorful games that I have played recently. Like there's just, there's so much flavor to this game. And what I mean by that is when you look at the models and you look at the cards and the backstory, it's just, it's very, it's a, it's a savory game. There is a lot of juiciness and awesome detail to this game. And with me, it kind of starts with the models where the models are very unique. I love the fact that there's individual players and you can't bring more than one. There's no points that it's just balanced enough through the captain mascots. And there's mascots. That's another thing that's flavorful. You have animals running around the pitch trying to score goals and, and also you just have these rules that are just so heavy in pop culture and heavy in, you know, nerd culture that just it's it's amazing to play with. Like even the new Captain Soma for the Alchemist, he has character traits on the back of his cards that are, you know, give me fuel, give me fire. And I'm like, yes, I'm a, I'm a metalhead. I love seeing that on a card. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that they've done a good job with those types of elements and making it appeal to the masses, making it appeal to uh, new players. I, I, I think they've done a great job of that. And I, I do think I, this isn't one of the selling points as far as, like, trying to convince somebody to get into the game, um, but it does make life easy is I really like the no points to manage thing. Because how many times in other games do people say, oh, well, I, I'd like to play this and I'd like to play this, and then you're like, oh, well, you don't have the points to do that. That just sucks. Yeah. So this is kind of one where it's like choose your captain, choose four players, choose your mascot, and oftentimes I'm just letting somebody choose their favorite-looking models, and that yeah. works out beautifully. Yeah, and I, I was going to say that, you know, it's like when we started playing A Song of Ice and Fire and I brought bought that Free Folk box – and I was like, okay, I want to play now. And I'm like, wait, how many points do I have? I'm like, I hardly even have 40 points to play like a full game. And I had to figure out how to organize that. And yeah, it, it can be daunting, especially if you're not familiar with tabletop gaming. Or you have to paint a horde army. Yeah, no doubt. Six models is better than like 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So For sure. yeah, I, I find that's, that's a good part. And then, I mean... It, this is one benefit that not all other areas have, but Pete, you're a really great resource because there are times where we get guys into the game that they don't want to paint. They're intimidated with the painting part and I can just send them to you and you paint uh, well, inexpensively and fast. And so like, I mean, normally you have to choose kind of two of the three for, you know, yeah getting a paint job done in your case, you you're able to give people all three. And so when I have people that are like, Oh, but I don't want to have to paint it or whatever, then I, you know, direct them over to you. But for those that don't have a painter resource in your, in your meta or in your group, um, I think that, you know, having the models be the color of the team makes life a lot easier as well. And yeah. we're able to say, Hey, you know, I can just play them out of the box. They're red, they're blue, whatever it is. And people can be at peace with that. Yeah. And I, once again, I just, I love the uniqueness and we're going to talk about this more when we get to the second part where we look at the guilds, but most of the guilds are very unique and flavorful in their own with not only just the look of their team, but also just the flavor of how the team plays and kind of presents themselves on the pitch. So just really, just really a lot of the aesthetics is what I really love about the game. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And, you know, for only having like certain ways to win games, like you you win the game by scoring, getting four points for scoring a goal or getting two points for a takeout or one point for a mascot and first person to 12 wins. So you wouldn't think that there's that many different play styles, but there actually is. I mean, I would say there's pretty much three main play styles. There's control, there's goal scoring and then fighting teams. I mean, would you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, I think that's pretty good in a nutshell. Obviously, as the game has grown, there have been more tweaks on that. For example, yeah. you know, there are more teams that can be damage-dealing teams at a distance, right? I, they used to only be melee uh, teams that did the fighting. Now you can do it at range with someone like the the Falconers or, you know, whoever else. And so, yeah, I think that that's, that's very true. There, there are adaptable play styles now, but I still think that it's self-contained enough to where they've, they've reined it in enough. The game designers have reined it in enough to make it so that it's not overwhelming. I don't well, think there's an add, overwhelming number of play styles. 
Let me ask you this, Chris. So if you are a new player and you did a demo game and you're interested in a team, but you don't know which way you want to go, how, how does a newer player figure out like which guild or what type of team they should be looking at? Well, I know with new players that I deal with, I oftentimes am able in a demo to kind of get a feel for that player. And then I can kind of encourage them. So uh, one of the guys that's in our group, he plays Song of Ice and Fire with us. We kind of traded demos uh, last week. And he plays Malifaux, and I want to learn a little bit more about Malifaux. And he wanted to learn a little bit more about Gilball. So we traded demos, and we did Malifaux first, and then we got into Gilball. And I intentionally gave him a Rage Union team but made sure that he had models like Mist on the team. And then as we played, I taught him how he could score and how he could do takeouts. So that way I was able to get kind of a feel for what sort of play style he wanted. And I usually play in demos my Butchers because A, they're one of my best painted teams. B... They're a team that I know really well, so I can kind of put it on autopilot and then focus more on helping them on their side of things. And then the third reason is um, I want to give them a good idea of what they'll be looking at as they're playing in reality. So um, I know that they'll probably see my butchers a lot, so I might as well let them see them. So anyway, that's that's kind of the thought process that I go through in a demo and helping guide someone toward a team is I would kind of want to see what they're liking, what their play style is. Obviously, there are guys that are in a group that you know what their play style is before you even sit down for a demo because you've just known them for years. So you know if they're, yeah. you know, Mr. Jank or they're, you know, Mr. In-Your-Face uh, and want to fight with you, you know, all that kind of stuff. So guide them toward that. The other perspective, and I don't lean so much on this one personally, but I don't discourage new players from choosing based on this, is to just choose based on aesthetics. And if you think this looks cool, fine, we'll figure out a way to let you take these (laughs) morticians and fight with them. Fine, we'll figure out a way to let you, you know, take these brewers and score some goals, you know, whatever. We'll, We'll figure it out. Let's just give you a good experience so you get into the game. Yeah, and the aesthetics part is definitely cool because that's usually where I go with miniature gaming uh, just because I've played enough games now where, you know, I'll make it work. It, it doesn't matter really what the guild is or what the what the models are in different games. So with me, I usually go with aesthetics just because I want to play what looks cool or what is flavorful. And then, but when I when I show somebody the game and they got a demo, usually what I steer them towards is, I usually go with the kickoff box that, you know, they don't they don't really sell it anymore. But the Brewer six versus the Mason six, I think, is just it's a great box to start somebody off with, mainly because I always give the other player the Masons and I always take the Brewers. And the reason why I do that is because Masons do a really good job of showing both parts of the game with that six because you have Flint in there and then you have honor and harmony kind of doing the jank stuff. And then you just have some solid beaters in there as well. So I do that, give them the Mason so they can see both sides. Plus I play the brewers because the brewers have low defense. You're going to be able to do some really cool things when you swing into them. And 
I can also show them like, Hey, you know, here's, here's what happens when somebody, you know, starts hitting back India, but I usually don't worry about the ball and I let them, you know, kill my models. And like you said, Chris, I, I don't, I ignore the back of the card with newer players just because I want them to get used to the front card and all the stats. And that kickoff box is perfect for that because it really, like I said, if you start seeing them like, Oh man, I really love how Flint gets in there and just scores goals. Then you probably want to steer them towards, you know, a goal centered team. Whereas if they love, you know, smashing people with like, you know, honor or mallet or brick, then you're probably like, okay, they want to go more fighting and, you know, they want to go that route. So I, I think that Mason six is a good kind of uh, litmus test for like where they want to go in the game. Yeah. I, 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 I like that, that philosophy. I think I do kind of mimic that in giving them like a balanced union team. Like, I, like I'm kind of doing the same thing that you're talking about there. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I, that, that kick up kickoff box was obviously designed that way for a reason. Yeah, definitely. So looking at it, you got him kind of into the game and this is kind of one of the cons of the game. So we talked about like some really good things so far, but one thing that I would say is difficult for new players is you, you've done some research, re, sorry, research, you found what guild you want to kind of get into. And now where the hell do you buy this stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that is kind of an issue that I think Steamforge needs to work on. Uh, It's not insurmountable. I mean, obviously what we've done is we've kind of talked with Jacob who owns final round here and he's tried to keep in like a starter box or two of a couple different guilds. So at least there's something to buy or something to, to get someone going on. But, I mean, outside of that, you're looking at having to direct order from Steamforge or, you know, find them in a buy and sell group. You know, it, yeah, it's I, not I was going to say, the most, the most reliable thing I've sent people to is like a third party, like either Miniature Market or like a Facebook sell group is pretty good for Guild Ball. And that's generally where I send people because I'm just like, you know, I love Steamforge. I love the guys that work there. But for whatever reason, the last like year or so, their distribution has just been a train wreck. So any new players that are listening to this that are interested in the game, I would encourage you to keep an eye on Steamforge because they will hopefully they're re, they're revamping their web store. But as far as like if you want consistent product, really kind of go through, I would say a third party is more reliable right now than actually the company, which is a little sketchy to say when you look at a game. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what the best way to get a good team is. The best way is wait till Pete gets bored with whatever he's been painting, and then you get a fully painted team at a reasonable price because Pete is just looking to buy his next thing that he's going to have to paint. You know, and I do have these rat catchers that I'm looking to put up for sale, so... (laughs) So if somebody wants some well-painted rat catchers... Give Pete a holler. And I tell you what, there are listeners of the show that when I sold my models, I've just nonchalantly been like, hey, I got some, you know, dice from my podcast. You know, do you want them, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, yeah, we, we listened to your show. I didn't know this was you. And I'm like, yep, enjoy the models. And they were like, are you getting out of the game? I'm like, no, I just jump from guild to guild. <laughs> and then sometimes I rebuy guilds. Haven't we given away like a whole team before as like a raffle? Yes. <laughs> And let me guess, that was just a team that you were bored playing? Correct. Okay. 
Well, make sure if our way. listeners get any of the stuff that you like, you know, autograph it or whatever for. We, we do need to do a solid giveaway. I'm going to scrape some things together and, and give away something cool. Okay. But yeah, more more to follow with that. Yeah, that, that's so, definitely that's definitely a good idea. I'm I'm all for you giving away stuff. So, and then the other con that I would say for newer players is just some of the, and this is with any game though, right? You, you have some gotchas because there's a lot of legendaries out there. There's a lot of, you know, two, three captains in a guild. Uh, there's a lot of mechanics that can be defensive shit that Chris gets frustrated with. Yeah, that's some bullshit. <laughs> so always be sure to ask your opponent, is there any defensive shit that you, that model has that I need to worry about? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll just lean over and be like, hey, um, so I want to go into this model. If I go into it, are you going to be doing any, like, tricky shit that's going to, like, fuck me up? So let me ask you this, Chris. So when looking at it from a new player's perspective, like, there are some gotchas in Guild Ball. So what are some of the gotchas that a newer player needs to kind of ask when they're kind of in a game with a, with a player? Number one, the one that will fuck people over the most early on is unpredictable movement. Yep, that's the big one. And then resilience. Resilience and unpredictable movement, if people have that, that will fuck up new players early. But, again, this is part of the reason why I advocate, you know, a new player kind of keep them on the front of the card. And so that way they don't, you know, they don't have those experiences because those are back-of-card things. And so if you... Now, what I did with Scott was I had brisket on the field and I told him, okay, you can go into brisket. And I intentionally, I kind of let him have a very controlled and regulated gotcha moment where I, I, you know, I talked him into going in there and then, oh yeah, and she has this, right? So he was because you were I, starting to introduce some stuff on the back of the card. Then. Yes, and, and and so I intentionally tricked him, so to speak. But I said, okay, so this is you know I wanted you to be able to see this ability and how this works, and then we kind of worked through it. And I said, okay, if you have a two inch reach model, then they can get into her, and and we we talked it through. So I gave him the gotcha moment in a very casual setting, so that he yeah. didn't have that experience later. Every meta is a little bit different, and there are some times where, you know, people are going to just go go Stomp full tilt on you. And, and, and so <laughs> it, it, it depends. I mean, you know, there are people that if you ask a direct question, like, can you give this model more speed? They will say no and then reactivate the model and source show one your ass. So... <laughs> No, honor can just go twice. <laughs> yeah, see, right? Like there, there, there are people that will do that kind of stuff, and I, I understand that. I get that. I obviously don't encourage someone doing that to a new person because it's frustrating. Uh, so if you, if you are taking on the role of pundit, if you're taking on the role of building your meta, create a controlled environment where you're able to pop those gotchas on those players so that. They don't have those frustrating experiences and, and they're able to stick around in your meta. And they're having a and good I think time. That's, it's also more of like the competitive edge of that too, because I've played with people before where even in a tournament, I've played with people who are just, you know, great, great people. And they're just like, 
like I'm about to do something and they're like, Hey, remember that model has unpredictable movement. I'm like, yeah, I got, I you know, but if they were playing against a newer player, that's great to let them know because otherwise it's like, okay, I'm going to charge in there. Okay. I'm going to dodge two inches away and you're going to waste that stack of influence. And now they're sitting there like a sad panda. Aww. So de- yeah, I definitely see a, a lot of players. Who, and I, I think guild ball is better at that than a lot of other games for some reason. Like, I don't know if it's just like, that the people that are involved in the competitive scene just are pundits or they're just, you know, naturally wanting the other people to have a good time. But I've noticed in tournaments in Guild Ball, they're more friendly towards new players than other tournaments I've played in for other games. I would agree with that. I mean, you know, I kind of think about the top players that I've played against and I haven't really played against people that are from like overseas. Um, Although from what I hear, they have a reputation of being less competitive in that way than the guys here in the U S but when I think about like top players here in the U S like uh, Alex bots and Michael Klein and those guys, like they're all really, really nice friendly guys that aren't trying to dick someone over and give them a bad experience. Yeah. So um, to be honest, the person that's most likely to dick you over and give you a bad experience is our very own John Stokes. <laughs> <laughs> he will mud stop your ass, <laughs> but I mean, um, and I'm, we love I'm friendly. <laughs> well, I'm also, I'm friendly to new players, but I'm sorry if it's in a tournament, I kind of just put the gas pedal down. I mean, yeah, you're a dick I'll, too. I'll, you'll 12 somebody. I'll, I'll have a good time and, you know, I'll try to feed you some points at the end, but you know, I'm going to get my comfy lead and then coast into it. Yeah. If, if I'm playing with somebody that's like brand new, I will absolutely like just coach them through the game. And, like, just help them. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard a couple of people be like, oh, yeah, Chris was great. I had a great time with him. I'm like, Chris, Chris, you in? Is that that Chris? <laughs> like, Rage Monster Chris? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that by a lot of new players that you do a really good job in tournaments, kind of making sure they have a good time. What do you hear from older, experienced players that are beating me? Uh, Chris gets frustrated and yelled at me. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah, to, that's to uh, the point where somebody had to be called over to Chris's table. I, my <laughs> opponent did not call over Bill Anderson at Spring Point. That was not my opponent. <laughs> that was somebody else. And yeah, so anyway, I'm going to chalk it up to having a great experience. But <laughs> so, so one thing I do want to say though is that one thing that is really cool about Guild Ball that I I just I commend it on is you can get some of the most creative, just jaw dropping moments in certain activations. Like I've seen, I've done activations where I go with Scotha and she just, she's the hunter's captain and I use a snowball to dodge her up. And then I use her extra dodge with, you know, uh, the moon goddess blessing or whatever it's called. And she charges into somebody. She tackles the ball and dodges like six inches away into another model, dodges off of them and then kicks in an easy goal. And it's just like some of those like really cool activations you can do with certain models, just make this game ridiculously fun at times. I agree with that. And the, to add to that thought, the thing that I like about that is you're not having in a lot of other games, if you get off those big moments, it's game over. Yeah. Right? You get off that perfect assassination run in 
in War Machine or you get off some something big that kills off a bunch of models. And because Guild Ball is structured to where you're playing for victory points, one goal or you know one kill spree isn't going to win the game on its own. And your models come back. Your models come back on the table, so it's not like, oh, well, fuck, there's half my army that just got killed in that one model because I misjudged this distance or whatever. So I feel like Guild Ball inherently in its creation was very forgiving to epic moments that your opponent has not taking away the entire experience of the game from you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you have these really cool moments, but then, you know, the thing is your opponent then might have something that just really is cool after that. Like maybe after you do this amazing goal run, all of a sudden vet rage comes in and kills three models. Yeah. Or maybe you do an amazing goal run and then casket throws you in the box. Yeah. And then you don't, you don't see yourself for a while. Yeah. You're just trying to ring that bell. <laughs> buried two feet under in the boo box in the boo box all right so any anything else about the general game chris that um that you wanted to mention before we kind of go into a brief brief thing about the guilds here yeah so well let's talk about this what are some early on game tips that you give people that help them decrease the learning curve to where like, okay, you tell somebody be aware of this and I'll I'll give you the one that I always give new players is I encourage them when picking their playbook results to pick the momentous results. The momentous results on a playbook are how that model is designed to be played. If you stick toward those momentous results, you are playing that model correctly and you will have a better experience instead of trying to fit a round peg in a square hole and, you know, make a score become a melee model or whatever. And so yeah. um, one of the very early on tips and tricks that I try and give someone is try to play your models to where you're picking the momentous playbook results. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because the, the designers of the game, you know, when, when Perkins and the boys created this game, that – they designed the playbooks to reflect the play style of the guild. So, you know, if, if the momentum is off of dodges, then you should probably be picking the dodge results the majority of the time. Same thing with, if there's a bunch of momentous damage, you should probably be picking that with that model. Uh, Of course there's, there's different scenarios where that's not the case, but I think that's a great place to start. Uh, The one thing I would tell new players that it's like, Hey, here's a, here's an easy tip for you playing this game is Learn how to manage and spend your momentum. Uh, I feel like a lot of times new players forget about momentum and then they just have it sitting there and they didn't use it. Because one thing that will help you win more often is managing your momentum. And that includes things like healing. Like new players will be like, man, Pete, it's like your models never die. It's like, well, yeah, because you can heal them twice a turn. Heal them once during their activation, then heal them once in another model's activation. So if, if you're not spending your momentum to do things, then you're kind of missing out on part of the game. Yeah, I agree with that. And that is an area that 
can be easy to learn and take a long time to master. And so it gives yeah, people a lot it's of the same thing. It's the same thing we were saying with the gotchas, right? Because, you know, you might spend momentum to, you know, defensive stance and counterattack, but maybe it's a, it's a dodgy model that charged into you. Well, now that you, I mean, you might not have known that and you counterattack and they're not there when you get your chance to swing. So it, it, it takes a while to figure out when you should do those things and when you shouldn't, because sometimes if you're, if you're newer to the game, you can waste momentum as well. Like I remember when I first started playing the game, Chris would come in with like brisket or somebody and I'd go, I'm going to counterattack. He's like, well, I'm going to dodge out and now I'm going to dodge back in. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh great. I just wasted, you know, momentum and I didn't even get to do anything. Well, the best was when people would like counterattack and I'd dodge to another model, attack that model. They'd counterattack with that model, and then I'd dodge back to the original one. And so then you're, like, wasting double the momentum. Like, and every time I do that yep. to somebody and they are a less experienced player, I always get the same experience where they look up and they go, wait, you did that on purpose. You, ma- you yeah. made me waste that on purpose. And I'm like, yeah, like, that's, yes, I that's, that's exactly what I did. So, so that would be my that would be my tip to new players is just learn to manage your momentum because that's why that momentum is what makes I feel like Guild Ball is a more in depth game because that's another resource that you get to use to try and leverage a victory. So you don't just have your influence and you don't just have your static abilities you got to manage. You also have that momentum which can really help. I mean, I feel like momentum wins you the game. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. If you're if you're the guy that's getting initiative, typically that's a huge advantage to you each turn. Just going first. Yep. So you're able our, to take our, a model out tips, or get a score or whatever. I'd say our two tips kind of blend well together, Chris. Yep. Pick, pick momentum. Mo- pick the momentum and manage it. And then manage it. Amen. <laughs> All right. So let's kind of start just generally going through these guilds just to kind of you know, give some of these new players an idea of what they might like expect if they start either playing against this guild or they might expect if they pick up this guild. So we're just going to go in alphabetical order. Well, let we're going to go in alphabetical order, but for those teams that have a minor guild associated with the major guild, we'll cover that minor guild at the same time. Okay. Uh, that we're doing the major guild. Okay. So right. number one on so the list, Alchemists. So, Chris, you have an Alchemist team, so what would you say about this guild? A beautifully painted Alchemist team that I have never played. Um, I would say that the Alchemists are a team that uh, does... It's really interesting because they've changed the Alchemists over time so many different ways. So there have been times where the Alchemists have been very much a damage-dealing team, and other times where they've been very much a scoring team. Uh, but the thing that has always remained consistent for them is they are very much a team that is about managing conditions that they're putting out on other models. Yeah, and, if somebody were to tell me, like, what, or ask me, like, what the Alchemist Guild is all about, this, this is a jank team. Yeah, I, I agree with that. They, they're about setting people on fire, poisoning people, 
And so if you like that little mini game of managing conditions and those types of things, the Alchemists are a good fit for that. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I anticipate that we will see many changes over the years to the Alchemists and that there will be times where, you know, a catalyst is more damage dealing or less. And that affects, you know, how people want to play them as far as, you know, whether it's a, it's a scoring team or not and all of those types of things. I think that'll keep happening with the Alchemists. I don't think that's going to go away, but if you like the element of managing different conditions and, you know, playing that jank, they're a good fit for that. Yeah. I feel like that the Alchemists are definitely a janky team. They're also like, like fluff wise and kind of like very much like aesthetically they're, they're very much a like steampunk kind of like Victorian age guild where they they got like, you know, their sweater vests and stuff. And, you know, they're very, they got all these like, you know, mechanical things hanging off them and these vials and these potions and the, they got lots, really of, cool... lots of fucking goggles in this guild. Yeah. Yes. They got, and they got a really cool look to them. So aesthetically that checks a box for me. Uh, as far as like their captains play very differently, obviously Midas leans a little more like scoring and movement shenanigans. Smoke also is more of the condition damage, even though Midas uses the conditions to get jank movement. So, and then new captain Soma is kind of like, can be this damage dealing piece, but also can help the team do more damage. So Soma is going to be a really cool model to see, uh, really make this guild shine even more. So I think if you like the look of the alchemist now is a really good time to get in with them. Yeah, I agree with that. Maybe I should break them out of that box that I have them in. Yeah. And they also came out with the new resin for these models. So the models look pretty sweet. So if you are on the fence about getting into alchemist, I would say now is a really good time because they just got the new captain. They have these new team packs that just came out and Definitely got a really cool look to them, and they're being pretty competitive right now. So just checks all the blocks if you want, like, a decent guild to start off with. Maybe a little bit more of a challenge. I would say that getting used to how they synergize with the conditions is a different part of the game that new players aren't used to at first. So uh, this is one that I wouldn't necessarily point a new player to, but if they really wanted kind of a more challenge, maybe they've had some more experience with war games, I'd be like, yeah, okay, you can probably handle the Alchemist as a new player then. Yep, I agree with that assessment. So they don't have a minor guild yet, so I think with that being said, we can just go ahead and move on to our next major guild. All right, the Blacksmiths it is. So what when you look at the Blacksmiths, Chris, kind of what's their shtick and like what's their kind of like win con or win condition with this guild usually so this guild is very unique in the fact that they don't have any mascots so if you like animals they're not going to be the one for you they have <laughs> a master and apprentice mechanic and that master and apprentice mechanic enables them to create some really cool pairings and synergies between models it also enables you to choose whatever master you want to be the captain. I would say that the they're not because you're choosing whatever master you want and you've kind of got seven options. You're or sorry, yeah, seven options. That's great. Um, because you have seven options, they're they're not going to have 
captains that are as powerful as other guilds captains but they also don't have mascots and so on average their squaddies are going to be more more powerful than you know other guilds that have to include a mascot in there so it's i would say this is a very balanced guild i'd say that it's one that can play all sorts of different styles depending on who you want to pair with whom and who you like to be your captain yeah, I would say first off, and I'm always going to start with kind of like the models because that's where I naturally float to. The models are are pretty cool looking in this guild just because if you love the blacksmith, like, you know, almost like, I mean, if you look at Anvil, he looks like this, you know, dwarf that just is ready to hammer you into the ground with his huge shield, right? But if you're looking at the play style, I would say it is challenging because you're not going to have a lot of these big burst sexy plays out of most of the models in the guild. Most of the models are going to take some setup. And if you're one of those people that like synergies and you like setup and, you know, kind of setting these, these really cool sequence of events that lead to this, you know, big payoff, then you'll probably like the blacksmiths. The only models that get these like ridiculous, like big plays really are models like, Vet Cinder and Sledge, you know, they'll put out some ridiculous numbers with like eight damage on the high end. So if it has big spiky numbers, but the setup has to be there and you're also down in influence because the masters only bring three influence and the apprentices only bring one influence a piece. So uh, you got to definitely make sure you allocate your resources smart, smartly with this team. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. There, that's not usually it's, – it's interesting because I think that this is one of my favorite looking guilds aesthetically. But, but you hate the play style. <laughs> the play style I'm not a huge fan of, and the play style I wouldn't necessarily recommend to new players. I think that it's very tough for new players to manage. And so yeah. it, somebody would have to just be the type of person that just is in love with aesthetics only – and will go through all of the pains of learning a team that they just like the look of for me to feel comfortable recommending the blacksmiths to them. But okay, um, move, moving on. Real to, quick, let's include one more thing uh, in here. Is there an auto include that you think – just one model that you're like, that model should always be hitting the table with these blacksmiths? Uh, yeah, I would say Vet Cinder for sure. Yeah, Cinder. Okay. Um, what about for? Yeah. We'll, we'll go back so that people don't lose it on the alchemist. Is there one for the alchemist that's kind of an auto include? Right now, it seems like the auto include for alchemist is Vet Catalyst. Okay. Uh, just because his damage is so consistent and ground pounds amazing, and yeah, he's just he's a beast right now. Okay. All right. So, uh, and is there a minor guild for these blacksmiths? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. So we're on to the Brewers. The, this is my, my, my first guild. Yep. Your first love. Yep. Okay. So tell me all about the Brewers, you boozy. I mean, if you're going Brewers, it's because you like to smash things and you like to knock things down and you like beer. So, uh, yeah, there. this is a guild that is a synergistic guild. They're slower traditionally. And they're just looking to punch you in the face and get a bunch of points by knocking your models out. And their captains generally are setup pieces. 
they can put out some damage, but they really kind of set up the scrum to just start murdering people. Uh, a lot of knockdowns in this guild and something with the brewers that you have a lot of options with are heroics. So they can do heroic every turn. They just spend a momentum point and you get some cool effects. So like one of the captains tapper has old Jake's, which he can allocate two influence to a model uh, eight inches away. So basically just a crap ton of influence and synergy going out and a lot of cool effects with their heroic plays. So definitely a really fun guild to play. Definitely takes some, they're really good if you're a new player and you learn how to play them. Like if you have two new players playing and one is playing brewers, the, the one with the brewers will probably do well most of the time and win a lot of those games. But the ceiling I feel like is lower, whereas it's hard to be, competitive in the upper echelons of competition with the brewers just because of how slow and how um, predictable they are in a lot of their mechanics. Yeah. Um, aesthetically, these brewers kind of have a Scottish, know, Scottish feel. feel with the kilts <laughs> and those types of things. Um, be prepared to paint some tartans if that's yep. your guild of choice. And uh, yeah, the, a lot of beards. There, there are lots of beards in this in this uh, yeah. guild. Um, and then you have, yeah, the, like I, I think that's pretty good, pretty good synopsis of them. Um, auto includes with the brewers. Uh, it's kind of tough because it used to be different models, and they've gone through changes where they tried to make it where you want to pick other models on different matchups i still think vet decimates really good i agree with that. Uh, she's tack five she's got two inch reach it's on anatomical precision uh can just knock you down and and put out stagger which lowers your defense even further and she pushes models and does damage so uh, she's just a really solid model and can score yeah she's a three six and she scoots around pretty good so yeah, the vet decimate I think is absolutely the auto include if if there is one with the brewers. So I agree. Yeah, with that. it used to be spigot and like Friday, but I don't know. I just I'm getting back into the brewers this season, and um, yeah, I just vet decimate's the only one that I'm kind of like. Eh, it doesn't matter who the captain is; she's just she's fun to have. Yeah. Um, okay, so is there a minor guild for the brewers? So there is one. It's not released yet. It's the Entertainers Guild. Uh, no word yet on when that's going to be released, but uh, look out for Kid Blackheart. <laughs> yeah, we helped make him. You're so, welcome, folks. You're welcome, world. Yep. Also, uh, stripper, working mom, shark. Yes. Is the other model right, so, that has been displayed. so moving on is Chris's baby just riding ride and die butchers player. So Chris, this is this is all you right here. Yeah. So the butchers, I mean, aesthetically, they've got like the aprons and there's lots of knives and cleavers and those types of weapons for them. Um, I obviously paint mine and just make them bloody as all hell. Um, yeah. Lots of blood for the blood god go into my my butchers. Um, Playstyle-wise, this is the let's chop them up uh, team. They're going to be in their melee scrums 
they're going to do lots of burst damage. They're going to put out lots of bleeding. Um, they are a team that I have a lot of fun with. I think that for people that are very aggressive types of players, they're going to be a good fit. Um, they do have a little bit of a glass cannon element. They're not the sturdiest of models. That would probably be a team more like the Brewers. But um, I, I love being able to dole out that damage and uh, do all of that work. Yeah, if if you want to play a guild where you can go, I wonder if I can kill this model from full health to dead in one activation. I think the Butcher's Guild is for you. Yeah. Because yeah. I've seen plenty of times where Chris is like, I'm going to go kill this model. And it's like this huge model that you're like, oh man, that model's probably okay. And then they just die because if the if the butchers spike even just a little bit, that model's probably going to die. <laughs> yep. And, and the they already had a really dynamic melee damage dealing captain. And then once they got vet board, did even more of that. So... Yeah, they're 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 a lot of fun. They're an easy guild to learn. Um, they probably have a little bit more limitations on the top end, but I I just have so much fun with them. I just really really like them. So Chris, who's who's your auto include when you bring a butcher's team? Now people are probably going to disagree with me, um, as is tradition on this podcast, but. <laughs> I would probably go with Shank. I think there's always a use for Shank. I think Shank can score. I think Shank can do damage. I think that Shank can play with any of the captains. And so I'd probably go with Shank. I think a lot of people are going to say that it's Boiler. Um, and Boiler is a great utility piece as well. Um, Boiler can do a lot of things. Um, pairs well with the mascot uh, Princess. And I think that... That's probably where most people would recommend. And, and he's got some range damage that he can do as well. Yeah, Boiler, Boiler does. I mean, Boiler, I feel like if he's set up, he does ridiculous numbers. But Shank, I feel like, doesn't need a ton of setup to go do stuff. Yeah, Shank is always very functional. And that that's why I would say that Shank's the auto-include. But if somebody disagrees, I want to I wanna give fair weight to what the consensus is and i feel like others around the community will probably say boiler and the butchers do have a minor guild they have the uh, cooks yeah they do my new girlfriend um <laughs> so the cooks are the minor guild that go with the butchers and you'll notice this again i'm saying this a lot for new players you'll notice that they they create a theme that they're staying within and so uh in this case butchers go with cooks the cooks are like the butchers in many ways um they're going to deal a lot of damage uh they probably require a little bit more setup than the butchers do a little bit more synergies between the other models and so that gives you something to manage they are very interesting as far as being able to get a lot done, but then you can blow them up. So they're even probably more of a glass cannon than the yeah. Butchers are. Th this is a guild that I'm going to be focusing more and more on. And so you probably will hear me talk a lot about uh, these guys going into the future. 
Yeah, and something that is interesting with the minor guilds mechanic is if a guild has a minor guild, which most of the teams do at this point, uh, the minor guild has two players that can play up to their parent guild, and the parent guild has two players that can play down for the minor guild. So for the cooks, they can use Shank and Tenderizer from the Butcher's Guild, and then the models that can go up and play for the Butcher's are cinnamon and roast are the ones that can play for the butchers. So yeah. and, and diverse it's nice, models too. It's nice having kind of those four flex models that are in there and they're all of them have their function and their use. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say that if you just limit it to the cooks models, the one that is probably the auto include is cinnamon just because yeah. She's so She's functional good. as far as being able to help other other models and those types of uh, specifically with movement and getting getting other models to where they need to be. But and yeah, I've re- I've really liked them. And a, another recommendation I would have for newer players is if you pick a guild that has a minor guild at this point, or if you pick a minor guild, I would just say to buy the parent guild or buy the minor guild because it's so difficult to find the two random models for a minor guild that it's like just i would just buy the parent guild that way you got another guild and you don't have to worry about trying to you know get these two random models from a third party site yeah i i I agree with that um specifically because it's tempting to just go with a minor guild because you're like oh you mean you just have to buy one one box but it's almost more of a hassle finding just the two extra models than it is. So, so I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of sixes because you think, oh, I just have to spend, I just have to buy one box, so it's going to save me money. But then you're going through the hassle of having to find these two, or you can go with the parent guilds and say, I have to buy two boxes, and that costs me more money, but it's more convenient. So, I mean, make of it whatever whatever you will. But if you have the resources, yeah, just if you're buying a parent guild or a minor guild, just get all of it and that'll make your life easy. Um, one pro tip is find any style to paint those cooks other than the checkered pants, because those checkered pants are a bitch to have to paint. Yeah. So, so next guild that we have is the engineers guild. So, Chris, what do you think of when you hear engineers? Um, I think of a lot of mechanical shit. <laughs> and I think of a very steampunky, sort of like those alchemists. If, if you like robots, you're going like uh, to like the engineers. Yes, yes. If you like a lot of, a lot of wooden mechanical type you know, creatures, then that's a good thing. The engineers are known for their ranged character plays and for their ridiculously good kick stats. Yep. Great, great scoring guilt and can definitely be very annoying at range. So if if you don't like getting in there and like scrapping it out, they're probably a good fit for you. Yeah, and I feel like their strong captain right now is Rivet. She's a she's a really strong kind of beater support captain. Uh, you also have a good range captain in Ballista where he can do some cool character plays. And then Pinvice just can put out some damage and scoot around the board and really cause some chaos. And the squaddies 
are probably the strongest part of the engineers guild. They usually do most of the heavy lifting and they have some really cool synergies between a lot of the, a lot of the players. So it, it's just, it's just a really solid guild. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, is there an auto included in this guild? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of squatties that kind of compete for that position. A lot of people are actually saying like Nomad's pretty good in the Engineers Guild right now because he's very flexible in what he can do. Um, he also has another Metallica reference, so I'm all about that. And then, uh, I mean, Salvo's always also really good this season. He just he's once again just so versatile. He has like scoring capabilities. He can get the ball, uh, knock people down. Has a really cool heroic where he does like a free character play. So just those two squaddies, I would say are really solid right now with Salvo and, uh, and Nomad. Okay. And as far as the engineers go, do they have a minor guild? They do. The minor guild for the engineers is the minor guild. Yeah. They have a minor guild in spades, if you will. (laughs) So now the minor guild is this and I'm kind of sad I sold this guild because this guild is so much fun to play. So yes, they, the, they have the a mi- lot of jankiness to them. The miners have this dig mechanic. Just it's diggy hole or I mean, it's sorry. It's not D- diggy hole. It's secret tunnel, but they also have a character play called diggy hole that does the same thing where basically the model places two inches from where it is at the beginning of its activation. So you can just get so much movement shenanigans out of these models that it's just, it's ridiculous. And they're also good at scoring goals. Uh, when they first came out, they were pretty good at takeouts, but they're more of just focusing on the scoring goals. Uh, you can set up some takeouts with this guild, but it definitely takes a lot of resources to do that. So most of the time, you're probably going to be trying to slam three goals in with this team. Yeah, and now tell me this. Do you believe that any of the minor guilds, and does this one specifically, is more competitive than the parent guild? Do you, do you think I, the miners are better than the engineers? They were, but with some of the models that the engineers have gotten, plus they have access to the miners. I feel like that they're both, if, if there's a minor guild that is close to being better than the parent guild, it is miners. The only reason I would say I, I wouldn't put miners over the engineers is just because the engineers can flex more to their bad matchups and engineers can definitely go take out heavy if, when they need to. Whereas the miners really have a struggle trying to take out models um, with some of their changes. So a lot of their damage got toned down in the errata. So I, w- I would say that they're close because they are probably the, one of the stronger minor guilds. But engineers still have a significant advantage just because they can actually do solid damage. Okay. And aesthetically, how are the miners different than the engineers? Uh. I mean, the miners are just like all, they're just dirty. They just got, they're all about, basically they have a lot of machines to help them dig or they have limbs blown off like fuse. Uh, They're just, the models look really cool. They're just kind of these dirty, gritty models and that you can, they're just going to work. They're not clean. They're not hard hats. Yes. Yes. Definitely hard hats. Um, Plus the, the mascot digger has goggles on himself. So. 
I'm all about that. Yeah. And that, and the models are just cool. Like mules, a cool model. Uh, Dejur is a really cool model. And, uh, even like the models that can play for the miners are Colossus and Salvo. So you get two really strong models there. And then the ones that can play for the engineers are fuse and spade. So once again, you get some really cool crossover models that go to the parent guild and the minor guild. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to say about these two, the engineers and the miners? I do not. Okay. Well, let's go out to the country and we will talk about the farmers. Oh, man, the farmers are so good. I had to buy them twice. Yeah, because you don't have the attention span to just play one guild for an extended period of time. That's true. <laughs> okay, so, so you you the bought the farmers guild, twice. I notoriously said that Thresher wasn't busted and the farmers were fine <laughs> when they first came out. Yeah, we hate farmers. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, so you know, listeners of the show that have been with us for a while, they'll know that we we bitched about farmers for a long time, but they're in a good spot now. Um, I don't know, Chris, what would you say about farmers when a new player is looking at them? I would tell them that they're, they inherently have a little bit of a mini game, which is that planting and uh, reaping mechanic. And so if somebody likes those little mini games that they can kind of manage within the game, they could be a good fit. You're looking to do more damage with these models and... You also can score, but you're not you're you're probably not gonna be an all takeouts or all scoring type of a team. You're probably going to lean more toward maybe a four one type game with these farmers. And yeah. for those that are that are new listeners that aren't familiar with the game, when I say a four one type of game, I'm meaning four takeouts to get you eight victory points and then one score to get you four more to get to your 12. Um, a lot of people, as they look at the game, they kind of evaluate it based on how many takeouts versus how many goals. So if you talk about like a 4-1 game, uh, four takeouts, one goal, 2-2 two, two game is two takeouts, two goals, you know, etc. Yeah, and I would say that for newer players, farmers have two kind of – they have three main mechanics. But So their models are either going to be a planner – or they're going to be a reaper. Planners are the resource kind of generating models, whereas the reapers use the resources. So, for example, Grange is a planner, so he's going to put out harvest markers, and those harvest markers can be used by the reapers to get either a benefit, or you can reap the harvest markers during your maintenance phase and get influence for them. So you can generate extra influence if you want. It's also cool, though, because your opponent and yourself can also trample over these harvest markers. So you do have to be careful where you place them. Um, yeah, they're, they're just they're a fun guild. It takes a lot of practice with them because you will forget to do things if you are not practiced with them. You will forget to put out harvest markers. You will forget that you get benefits for being within certain ranges of the harvest markers. You will forget to use harvest markers. Uh, this guild takes a ton of practice to be efficient with, but once you figure out how to use those, I feel like the payoff is just, it's, it's huge. Yeah. I, I, the thing that I would say to add to that is people will forget those things 
even if they're experienced players, if they don't stay well practiced with them. So yeah. be aware of that, that if you're going to be a farmer's player, prepare to commit to be a farmer's player for an extended period of time. Even even Pete, when he doesn't play the farmers for a while and goes back to it, will start forgetting things. <laughs> yep, you'll be like, oh, shit, I forgot to put out my harvest markers. <laughs> and I'll be like, too bad, so sad, sucks to be you. Oh, sorry, we're gone. We're done. Yep, yep. We can't. Uh, I can't allow you to use those. So, um, and I also I, I like the models, and I like the. So this was like the first like PVC guild that came out with the new types of plastic. So some of those models, I feel like some of the details actually lost in. Like if you look at Harrow and you look at Grange, I feel like the eye sockets are like really deep in those models. So I would caution if you are. If you are picky about how detailed and how clean the models look, uh, the farmers might not be the guild for you just because their their poses are a little you know stoic. They're kind of plain and a little bit of boring. Um, they do look cool, but the like I said, the problem is they're very like almost like just a one pose. Like it's it's not a dynamic pose, and and some of the quality that we see with the new resins and stuff and some metal guilds are lost in this guild. So I would just kind of keep that in mind as a uh, new player, if that matters to you. Also be prepared for a lot of overalls. A lot of overalls. Uh, you also have, you know, a cock and a donkey as your mascot. Yeah. Donkey punch. Got a scarecrow that, you know, causes problems for people, which I love. Yeah. Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it, it, it's a fun guild. They do have a minor guild coming out sometime in the next year. Uh, it's the Shepherd's Guild, so that'll be an interesting guild to see kind of like what comes about with that. So just if you pick up the farmers, know you got a minor guild coming sometime within the next probably six months or so. Yeah, I am kind of excited for that Shepherd's Guild, though. I'm hoping for lots of like border collies and stuff like that. Yeah, I think they got two dogs that they revealed with the models so far. Nice. Lots of animals. All right, so uh, is there an auto-include with these farmers? Uh, Thresher. Okay. So, so <laughs> this, is the, this is one of the guilds where the captain is probably your auto-pick for most of your matchups. That might change with the new captain that just came out. So Festival just came out, and people are going to play her and, and probably see what they like her into. But honestly, I think you could still ride or die Thresher, and it's still going to be good. But if I... If you're making me pick a non-captain like auto-include, I would say probably Plowman. Just because Plowman is just going to put down a bunch of harvest markers for you. Uh, he's going to help you just, yeah, just basically make sure that you got enough resources to keep going. And he's just a good model, decent damage, pushing people around, knocking people down. Just a good model. Okay. Um, next up, we got our Fisherman. This is one of the original guilds as well. Yep. So fish now, naturally people think scoring with fish, uh, fish. That's what they're renowned for. Even their Corsair list can, you know, snap a goal off really quick. And you're just going to score for days with this goal, with this team. Um, you can grind out the takeout game with Corsair. He'll drag you in and beat you down as that captain. But if you like scoring goals, Shark is your man. That guy's a beast and can just do a ridiculous amount of scoring out of nowhere. And Shark has always been that. Um, I would say for new players, 
don't expect Shark to ever change. That That is the identity Shark? of who Shark is. He should be one of the best scorers in the game, period, for all time. Well, Shark is, an, you know, you're almost never at ease when you're playing against Fish and you're playing against either him or Corsair because the, it's just their threat is so, it just extends so far that you feel like the ball's never safe, your models are never safe, the fish can always get to you. And it's just, it it keeps you really on edge when you play against them. Yeah. Um, Aesthetic-wise, what do these fishermen look like? Uh, They have a bunch of nets on them. They got a bunch of, you know, fish, you know, live fish, dead fish. You know, you got shark teeth on shark and... You know, you got a bunch of pirate looking you no know, motherfuckers and you got a Long squid and an otter. Weapons. Yeah, yeah, big spears and and if you love two inch reach, this is your guild. <laughs> yeah. So I think they have like four models maybe that don't have two inch reach. Yeah, I think that's correct. Um actually it might even be less than that, but yeah, anyways. They it's interesting because they also have some of my favorite mascots. I think most people love Salt the Otter. Um, so much so that Salt got a April Fool's Day um, model that model. is a Captain Salt. Um, but I also really love the octopus. I think the octopus is, is really yeah. cool as well. So Yeah, and they do have a third captain with Yukai. They're very interesting. Uh, if you And that's why I think Fish are also a fun guild because – if you want to go shenanigans and get a little bit of that Jenkin, Yukai is definitely the model that you could be like, yeah, they're really fun because I can do some unique things with Yukai. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like Yukai was a model that people were really, really excited for. And then very quickly that waned. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a fish player. It's not in my nature to have that play style. And so I'm not going to really speak to, an expertise on the fish, but uh, let well, I guess the the last question about them is what's the auto include with the fish? Um, it, people may change that because like they've got new models like Knuckles and you know you have like Sakana and you have all these unique looking models. But I feel like to me, with any of the captains, the model that I would always bring is Grayscales. I agree um, with that. I feel like Grayscales has been there for a long time. Yeah, because you need to put the ball somewhere. He has unpredictable movement. Uh, he also has where'd you go, so you can get in there and you know go snag the ball up. Uh, his ball's gone, so if somebody has close control, he can really get it out of there. Uh, so he's just he's a very flexible model that's going to help out any of those captains. Okay, so you like him even though he got owned by Hammer. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, not just Hammer. I mean, he also got owned by. Uh, by Hooper smashing his like legs in. Now he's got Lieutenant Dan legs. Wow. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that sounds good. Grayscales is the auto include fish score goals. Um, these fishermen do have a minor guild, a minor guild that I really like actually. Um, the navigators. Navigators are interesting. They, they, all their momentous results are at the end of their playbooks. And that's because they get to reroll dice when they do attacks. So they're really squishy though. They're not very hardy models, but the rerolls are a really cool mechanic that they have. They have a lot of movement shenanigans, a lot of navigational and nautical themed kind of like 
character plays and traits and stuff. And they also got not Moana. So that's cool to have as well. And yeah, they're, they're a cool guild. They're just, they're really susceptible to the takeout game. So if there's a team that either has a lot of armor or if there's a team that, you know, is very hardy and can take them out quicker than they can move around and get their goals. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's where they get in trouble probably the most. Yeah, I, I, I like them for that re-roll mechanic. Um, anyone that's listened to the podcast for an extended period of time, time knows that I suck at rolling dice. And um, I love that there's – I love that it's just a mechanic that's unique to them. Like I, I – yeah. if this was a thing that like other models were getting – in other guilds that would really bother me but i like that for them they have it and i also like the representation of the polynesian models um just a shout out to steamforge we've talked about this before on the podcast but uh they really do a good job of having a lot of different types of people represented uh and groups represented throughout the the game um it's one of the more balanced tabletop games in terms of male female um people of varying uh orientations and minority groups and body types and all of that so uh shout out to steamforge on that and i'm i grew up in hawaii and so um you know i just kind of have a soft spot for those polynesian characters in the game um, and so I really like them. They, they kind of have a similar aesthetic to the fishermen as far as kind of those nautical type themes. Um, I would say uh, it, it's interesting because some of them have more of like a pirate feel and other ones have more of a Islander feel. And so it's not, yeah. it's not, I, I don't actually feel like they have the greatest theme synergy of the guilds but uh if you like that you know oceana type look then you're gonna find that in in these models um do you have one that is an auto include for you on on these guys um i like azimuth just because he kind of can control the middle of the pitch and he's one of the few models in that guild that he can hang around a bit and not just you know not just die right away. Okay. Uh, he has a lot of, he has a lot of defensive tech and he also just kind of sets up your scrum and he actually can put out a decent amount of damage too, which is really annoying. Uh, and the two crossover models, uh, fathom and horizon are the two that can play for the fishermen. And then angel and siren one are the ones that can play for the, uh, for the navigator. So those are the crossover models. Yeah, one other little word on the navigators is, in my opinion, the, the navigators are a good example of where each of their models has something kind of cool that it can do and a cool tool that's not really that complicated, but is a good example of easy to learn, hard to master. Um, knowing yeah. how to use Horizon or you know how to use Fathom in the right moments. Uh, that's the art in using the navigators and that can be said i mean for pretty much all the guilds but i think that the navigators specifically are a good example of each model kind of is able to do something very unique that others aren't and learning how to use that in a way that is functional is is the fun in learning the guild 
Yeah, so next we got Hunters. Now, Hunters were definitely a guild that I played for a long time. Uh, I love them. They're, they're a really fun guild. And one thing I would say about Hunters is they're definitely a control guild. Like, even if you play Skatha, you're still controlling the pitch with some of the character plays and players that you bring and also just threat ranges. So, I mean, if you if you love these kind of like druid, druid kind of looking models that, you know, are very, you know, outdoors, outdoorsy and very, you know, much with nature, this is kind of the guild for you just because they got a re- lot of really cool things going on for them. Yeah, I, I like the aesthetic of these hunters. Um, they're a little bit bigger than most of the models. Uh, things like Cena the bear. Uh, yeah, I feel like bears. There's bear, uh, and it's not a mascot. Yeah. Also, fun fact: bears can run downhill. In case anyone's wondering. Yes, they can. Um, but <laughs> the uh, don't talk shit about my basing. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, the, this is a team that they are very much, like Pete was saying, very controlly, very much uh, from a distance they will control you. And um, because it's about control and condition damage, uh, there is kind of a death by a thousand cuts element um, to, this, to this team because you're getting shot, 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 and then finally, you know, they send in a melee model to go blow you up at the very end. So um, I would say that if you are somebody that likes a rangy game and you're somebody that wants to frustrate your opponents by running away from them like a little bitch, then these are a good set of models for you. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I feel like that there's the mechanic that's for the hunters are it's very unique. It's kind of like the harvest markers where they put out traps. And when you come within, whether you're pushed or whether you come within an inch of them, uh, the traps go off and then you take one damage and you're snared. So snare is an awesome condition that is minus one defense and minus movement. So it just, it's a really it's a really cool way that the guild controls people because you can set up those traps to deny people from going into an area. You can use it to um, hold them off. Uh, There's a lot of mechanics that the hunters have that benefit from models being snared. Uh, So whether that's doing more damage or getting extra uh, movement or something off those snared models, uh, definitely a really cool mechanic that you can abuse with this guild. Yeah. And they, they're, we didn't really talk about their third captain, but they have the trap queen in steel jaw. And so yeah, and she is like steel jaw is probably the stronger captain right now, just because of how much consistent damage and movement she can, she can control the pitch with. So she's, she's strong right now for sure. Yeah. I remember playing in the tournament and I never played against steel jaw and I was like, all right, well let's see what happens here and fuck <laughs> my life. <laughs> so, Oh man! Yeah, I've had lots of bad experiences against the hunters. Um, totally a good guild, though. Like uh, cool models, I own them all. And well, uh, this was one of the guilds that when I first started playing the game, Chris just looked at me. He's like, you know, when you get good at this game, I feel like the hunters are going to be a good guild for you, and that it's going to annoy the shit out of me. And I was correct. <laughs> 
if I was going to go with an auto include, I would probably say with the changes, I would probably bring Egret most of the time. Okay. Just because she, she has good scoring, playbook's pretty clean, has some good character plays. And you can uh, kill Jon Snow. Yeah, and she also has close control now. So this actually gives you a good spot to put the ball on. And she has back to the shadows and swift strikes. So lots of dodging and poison she puts out. Just really solid model. Yeah. Okay. Um, these guys do have a minor guild. And I actually really like their minor guild more than I like the hunters. And I, I, and I like the hunters. The hunters are very good. But uh, their minor guild is the falconers. Yep. And this is one of the first minor guilds that we we saw. Um, the theme here obviously is, you know, there, there's a very, there, there's a very airy feel to these guys, a lot of birds and those types of things. Um, they also have a little bit of a mini game there where they're able to put down these Harrier markers and basically it's like you're getting swarmed by birds and so they're doing more damage to you and have all sorts of kind of cool flight type options when the Harrier markers are down. Um, so I think that that's a lot of fun. I like these models. Um, they, they're kind of a mix too. I think that originally they were going for them kind of being more of like a native American first nation type look, but they've included other models. Like no one can tell me that Matagi is not Japanese. Uh, yep. <laughs> with that like long dark hair and all that stuff. Yeah. So and the name Matagi, but um, yeah, there there are a cool looking uh, set of models. Um, they are probably more of a damage dealing type team than a scoring team. And yeah, they so, have some scoring capabilities in there, but you know they could easily do a two two game. Like you know they're gonna they're gonna be able to get their goals, but definitely they're their focus I feel is more on the damage output uh, than anything else. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I will say that I don't think, although I like the look of the models, I think that the theme is fun. I don't think they're the most competitive team. Uh, some people have been doing some okay things with them, but anytime you take on a minor guilt, you're going to be able to win games with them, but you're going to need reps with them because they you do need to know what you're doing directly uh just because you have less options than the major guild so you need to be well practiced with the minor guild for sure yeah i would agree with that um just keep in mind model wise they are cool looking but just if you're once again you really stickler on models keep in mind that your minerva may or may not have a nose she may look like baltimore <laughs> I, see, I think that Sherwin should just write into the fluff something where Minerva loses her nose. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would just be hilarious if they just included that. Um, if you want to solve the nose problem, though, go get the limited edition sculpt of Minerva that looks like Wonder Woman. Dope-looking model. Uh, the crossover models are Matagi and Minerva. And then that that's what goes up to the Hunters. And then Egret and... Uh, that Hearn are the ones that go to uh, go, go to, to the Falconers. Yep. Yep. So who's your auto include here with the Falconers? Um, hmm. 
That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, maybe Egret again. I'd say it's either no, Minerva no, no. or you can't, you can't. No, you can't pick the one from the major guild. Like it has to right, be with the minor go, guild. I'll go with Minerva. She has Eye Spy and uh, she puts out a Harrier. She has a good knockdown and she does a good amount of damage and has two inch reach. And yeah, I, I like Minerva a lot. She's she's a good model. See, I probably would have gone with the Targi here. Yeah, but he's he's squishy and. He's super he, squishy, but here's but here's the thing. He's, himself, dude, dude, your cooks would just destroy Matagi. That that may be true, but but the thing that I like is I feel like Matagi is always able to do something because he's so rangy as far as being able to attack from a distance. Eh. And it's really convenient to be able to just like swipe a ball off a model that's like six inches away. You take that yeah, ball off of him. Three and, and tack five. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that it's perfect, but my point <laughs> is I just feel like he's – I whenever I've played him, I've always gotten, you know, fun stuff out of Matagi. Matagi can score. He can be a pain from a distance. He, he also puts out a Harrier. Like, I, I, I've i just had fun with Matagi. So, um, okay. but, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Like, the consensus is probably on Minerva. But, uh, yeah, so those are the Hunters and the Falconers. Okay, and next major guild that we have, getting along, we only got a handful left, is we have the Masons. Yep, so one of the OG teams, um, known as being a very balanced team, intentionally designed to be able to score and be able to get, you know, mix it up in melee and do some damage. Um, A cool set of captains. I think that the captains are ones that they've always tried to make pretty strong uh so you're looking at honor the first lady of gilball you're looking at hammer um he's an asshole and then we're looking at uh corbelli the dr j of gilball if you will yeah and masons also for you new players have like chris said they're kind of like a jack of all trades guild but you'll also notice that their playbooks are really unique because their momentum are actually all in the front of the playbook so it really, it's kind of this weird strategy you got to use where it's like, okay, when do I have to decide to take the momentum versus, okay, when am I trying to burn a model down? So you really have to kind of, when you go in to get your takeouts, you need to figure out which, what, what timing is right as far as your momentum versus damage. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, just yeah they have a lot of armor so this is going to be one of your guilds that has probably at least one or two armor on most of their models uh they have decent movement but generally speaking they're they're a little bit on the slower end and yeah they just like i said balanced and just a good hearty guild just gonna always be in it just because of how just decent all the models are at everything in the game pretty much yeah, so I, you know, there's there's two ways to think about this guild. If you're a pretty even-handed individual, uh, I think that you will probably look at these models as being very well balanced, and you have a lot of options. Um, for personalities like mine, where I want to, you know, set my sights on something and be aggressive toward it. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Masons. The Masons are actually the first guild that I picked up, but I felt like they 
kind of weren't good enough at any one thing that I wanted to do. And so I had some frustrating experiences balancing out that, you know, jack of all trades-ness of them. I'd rather have masters in one area. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, people can view that and have whatever perspective they want on that. I can see it from both sides. But, yeah, they're, they're not a bad one to start with. Um, I think the aesthetics of them are pretty cool. Um, they've got some cool armor to them. Uh, people are typically, you know, they they have that traditional blue to them, and so they kind of have a very, um, a very classic look, so to speak. Yeah, and they also have some pretty cool synergy. So you always, you can always expect that when you, they're one of the few guilds that don't have like ways to reach out and get you, like as far as character plays go but they do have a lot of defensive tech where it's like, okay, you hit my model. Now it triggers this ability. So their defensive tech is more reactive than it is kind of like keeping you at distance or slowing you down from something. They're more like, Oh, you hit this model. Now you, I get to do this effect. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're about, if you're about that kind of style, you might think about picking up the Masons. I totally agree with that. Um, is there an auto include with these masons? You know, they, they've gone through such kind of like a unique set of changes that they're just, there's so many like of these models that are just good. Like even like the models that used to be bad, like regular O chisel. She has a lot of playability. Now that chisels good. Flint's good. Um, I just don't know, man. I mean, if I was going to pick one, I'd probably go with tower uh, just because mm. he can, he can boost your damage with tooled up. Uh, he has some good pushing. Uh, it, he also has floored. So he gets extra attack with knockdown models. He has knockback. Uh, so good counter attack there. And then he also puts down sturdy for a four inch aura. So I would go with tower just because he helps kind of like hold the line with your team. He's just a good solid model. So, okay, maybe I should, maybe let's with this one because they are the jack of all trades guild that is so versatile and you can use all the models. And I definitely can see what you're saying about how every model kind of has its place. Let's ask the opposite question instead. Is there an auto exclude, one that do doesn't make your 12, you're always leaving home? Is there? Uh, I mean, the crossover model with Lucky. <laughs> Okay. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a Mason player bring Lucky. Okay. And, um, and Lucky's a crossover model with the Brewers, for those that don't know that. Yeah, he used to be a Mason, just so the new players kind of know. And he actually lost his arm in a uh, in an accident in the quarry. And basically, he ended up drinking kind of his pain and sorrows away. And the Brewers are all about that. So they picked him up and said, hey, here's your little, you know, sippy cup of... Uh, of beer and yeah, you come on over. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely like him better in the brewers than the uh, Masons. Okay. So yeah. Okay. The, yeah. We're not going to be including him with the Masons. So yeah, we got an auto exclude on this one. Um, yeah. Any news on a Masons minor guild? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, they're, they're going to be one of the last ones to get one. Um, they, all right. probably, they probably will be the last one to get one. It, it's, it's probably going to be either them or alchemists. 
Yeah, so, okay. Um, next up, it looks like we've got the Morticians. Good God. Okay, so if you're a new player and you like giving yourself painful experiences, go ahead and play the Morticians. Yeah, <laughs> steep learning curve on these, super janky. Um, so just just as a like preface, being all serious here, that you know they're they're a really cool looking team because they're dark, right? If you if you like kind of that goth vibe, yeah, uh, kind of that like like macabre, like Edgar yeah, Allan Poe. Yeah, love this guild. But the problem is that this guild takes so many reps, and there's no direct path to victory. There's like you have so many options that even for an experienced player, it can be overwhelming. And the slightest mistake can just blow up your whole plan. So this guild is like, the ceiling is so high, but the learning curve is so steep. Yeah, I agree with that. I've seen so many new mortician players that kind of express the feeling that, well, I did all of the things that these guys can do, all the cool effects and, you know, tools and traits and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But it just didn't get me anywhere. It didn't get me any closer to uh, to winning. And so there's definitely an element that they can be very frustrating for new players. Yeah, you really, you really need to think outside the box with this guild. And just to give new players an idea, I mean, six-point activations is like, like you've had a really good turn like when you had a six-point activation, meaning that you take out a model and you get a goal. Well... As an example of how you need to think out of the, outside the box with morticians is a friend of the show slash game developer, Jamie Perkins, is a morticians player. And he is a very good morticians player because he thinks outside of the box. And one of the ways he has recently done this a few months ago is in a big tournament, he got a six point activation with the mascot, with the bird. <laughs> he scored a goal. And before he did that, he basically killed a model to get a six-point activation with the mascot. And it's that kind of outside-the-box thinking that I was just like, you need to use when you're playing this guild because it you just got to be creative because that's how unique and diverse they are. Yeah, they're, they're definitely cool-looking models. Uh, they definitely can do a lot of amazing things. I overwhelmingly shy away from recommending them to new players. That's, yeah, I, I agree my, with that. Just my because, breakdown on that. Yeah, because the character plays you are a big part of them. You can get extra movement. You can move influence around. You can push models. You can, um, you can basically nerf a lot of your opponent's movements. You can do extra damage. Uh, yeah, it's just, if, if you're not using those character plays and traits to set up victory points, a lot of times it just looks like a lot of random character plays. Like you have to have a very, very direct purpose for what you're setting up. Yeah. And I will tell you this, when I play against a good morticians player, I always feel like they're being an asshole to me. Yeah, and I mean, just as I'm an example, my plans. Just as an example, like Obulus can have seven influence on him, but if you just use it, kind of like I've seen Obulus activations where they have seven influence on them, and they don't do more than like two damage, and they dodge a little bit, and it's like, okay, you literally did nothing with seven influence. 
Yeah. So you, you definitely have to be careful with like how you go into teams. Because generally speaking, most of their attacks, with the exception of like Scalpel, their one of their captains, are pretty low. Like there's no like amazing, like just super solo model in this guild. It, have people really been getting much out of Morn at all? Do you know? Oh, uh, who? Morn. Who's who's that? Their third captain. Oh, 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 no, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the girl from the ring. Um, yeah, once again, a really cool model, like cool idea. But uh, yeah, she has some she has some issues. Like she just, it's like she denies you this area, and it's like if you don't interact with that area, she just has a rough go. Yeah. So, so is there an auto include with these morticians? Um, I think a lot of people definitely bring um, O Graves. I think he's probably a lot of people's go-to pick. Where it's like you know you're you're going to bring him just because, um, just because he has tooled up, two inch reach. He's a four one. Uh, he puts out bleed and has scything blow, which doesn't come up a ton, but you know he he just he's a good solid piece to have um, on your team. Um, and I think it's close between him and probably casket like caskets, usually a big setup piece for the morticians just because it's legendary play. You can basically get four points for one takeout. So a lot of people bring him plus he's hard to kill. He has reanimate and he also can slow your opponents down and, and just really kind of lock down the center of the board. So He's just he's a solid model. I'd probably switch to casket now that I think about it, but um O'Graves is also really good. Okay. And these guys they do have a minor guild, the rat catchers are the minor guild oh, for God, I love this guild. Rat catchers are so much fun. <laughs> so like, they're the challenging, but they have more of a set path. Yeah. The, the, they so the theme on the rat catchers is kind of like an underground sewer type theme. Um and it's almost like an Oliver twist gone wrong. Sure. Yeah. I think that's a good de- description. <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit about the play style of these rat catchers. So rat catchers are going to push you around and they're going to, they're all about the dilemma mechanic. So basically there's a lot of mechanics on that guild where it's like, I'm going to give you two options. You can choose option one or option two, and you might not want to do either one of them, but you have to pick one. And this is very apparent even when you just look at the captain. So Piper is one of my favorite captains in the game. He basically, um, he pushes. So he's definitely different because he's not going to score goals necessarily just by dodging around because he doesn't have any. But he does have out of activation movement capabilities. So he does this because he actually gets to either like, hey, I'm going to either jog to you or you jog to me. So you can use that to get him engaged with the model. He also has a push, so he can push a model two inches towards him, away from him. He has a legendary where he pushes everybody within eight inches, uh, three inches in directly towards one goalpost. And then finally, he has reverie, which is when you can basically target another friendly model and that model can sprint and make a shot without spending influence. So basically I can be like, I'm going to kick the ball to this model, do reverie. 
you're going to sprint and then shoot a goal. So it's just, there's so much shenanigans that it's just, it's just good. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things they can do. Are, are the rat catchers, I know at times they haven't been very competitive. Are they, how are they doing with that right now? Um, so like I played them at a big tournament last spring and I ended up going, I think, did I go four and two with them? Well, I know you were the top rat catchers player. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I went four and two with them. So I think in the hands of some, the problem, there's two problems with them. One, you have to get reps with them because there's so much just non-linear things you have to line up because you're not just thinking about how my models are going to move. I also have to think about how I'm going to move your models. So that can be overwhelming. And then that usually brings problems with the clock. So then you usually start clocking yourself if you're not practiced with that guild. Uh, They are mainly a goal scoring team. Uh, You can work a 2-2 game with them. Uh, That can be challenging against some guilds though. Uh, Like when Vet Boar was a thing, I just got stomped by Vet Boar. It was just not fun time. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, so you think the, I mean, how's the, I feel like still the ceiling on them is pretty low. I don't, I don't feel like they're going to win a lot of tournaments. No, no, they're not going to win like a, a major tournament probably anytime soon, but I, I really don't think many minor guilds are. The minor minor guild is probably the only one that is in that spot. Uh, okay. But the other minor, they're all, they all have some pretty glaring weaknesses, which I think is the purpose of the minor guilds. Like they're meant to be, you know, fun and they can compete, but they do have some bad matchups. Like each one, it's like, yeah, that's a bad matchup for that guild. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So is there an auto include with these rat catchers? Uh, with me, I'm always probably going to bring uh Cosset or not Cosset. Sorry. I'm going to bring Pelage. Okay. Uh, Cosset BFF just because. Unless it's like an all female team, and even then, she still does a good amount of damage. She just she kills men. She's just a manslayer. Yeah, she's like, like Charlie's Theron and monster. Yeah, pretty much. So she's she's pretty much going in all my rat catcher lineups. Uh, the crossover models are for going up to the morticians are uh, Skulk and Pelage. So those are the two that can go up, and then the two that come down to the rat catchers are Bonesaw and graves and bone saw is not really that great for the morticians, but with reverie and Piper bone saw is pretty solid. So, um, I so do like bone saws playing- ready. Getting the bone saw ready. <laughs> um, okay. So cool. I mean, th- those are, those two are the masters of jank, right? So if, oh, yeah, you're, for sure. if you're a jank wizard, then, Morticians, rat catchers, good fits for you. Um, okay, we got our, our last guild. Yep, the Union. So I like the Union a lot. And now that they do not have to worry about their models being in other guilds, they have finally gotten a buff that makes them not just okay, but makes them unique and a little bit... Uh, I don't want to say overpowered, but definitely makes it where their squaddies can have a higher level of power than they used to, because the problem was they didn't want to make the models too good because then some of the other guilds would use the union models and it would be a problem. But now that they can't be used in other guilds, 
it it's it's better. They made uh, a lot of changes to like Rage and Minx and uh, and I think the other one was sorry I'm pulling her up right now Decimate and Fangtooth. So they really buffed those models up to make the union stronger as a unique guild there. Okay. The flavor of the union is, is pretty fun because it's basically just all these like guns for hire, just all these mercenaries and like top hats and costumes and just coming from random places and basically just bri- basically just bribing and just doing what they can to win the game. So do you still have your union that you painted like the natives and the Oh, I sure do. And rabbits from gangs in New York. Because <laughs> veteran greed is going to be a thing, and that's going to get played. Okay. So yeah. So so when you talk about the theme of these guys and play style and those types of things, what what is the play style of the union? So the union can do both things pretty well. They can score, and they can play um, the takeout game. Uh, I'd say they're probably not going to be a 3-0 team, even though they can, because even their most basic squaddies like Decimate and Gutter um, are 3-6 kicks with decent movement. So they can do like a 3-0 game, but you're probably going to be closer to like a 2-2 or a 4-1 game. Uh, probably a 2-2 game if you bring Blackheart. Probably a 4-1 game if you uh, bring Rage or... I don't know what Vet Greed's going to do yet, but you know that'll be interesting to see how he benefits these squaddies. Uh, Rage and Blackheart are just two very different dynamic captains. Rage is just going to kill the world, and Blackheart is the master of like movement shenanigans with all his dodges. Okay, so uh, uh, what I'm what I would break them into a category of is I'd say that they're kind of a, more like the Masons, where they're kind of jack of all trades, where you have a lot of different options with them. Yeah. So, um, with these models. Uh, this is another one that I think would be very hard to choose an auto include. Would you agree with that? Um, just because of the diversity and what all the models can do. Yeah, it's it's tough because yeah, it, it just is tough. But I think one model that you'd probably bring now, no matter what, is going to be. I, I like Minx a lot. Minx is a cool model. I didn't like her when I first saw the changes to her just because it was different. But Minx has a very consistent amount of damage. Uh, still puts out snared. Uh, it, it's just she has one, two, three, and four damage. Five wide playbook. Uh, has mark target to extend threat. Uh, can put out snared at range with axe throw. And has back to the shadows. Anything with back to the shadows I'm a huge fan of just because... I love getting that four inch dodge at the end of the activation just to get a little further away. And Minx has this four damage double dodge on five hits, which is pretty, pretty sexy result on the playbook. See, I would have thought you would have picked Mist. Um, Mist is one of these weird models where I think Mist is kind of fallen out with a lot of union players just because yeah, Mist can get you goals, but a lot of the other models got a lot better. Like, Minx got a lot better. Um, Decimate got a lot better. And both those models can satisfy that kind of goal scoring. If you play uh, Blackheart, Blackheart can go get goals for you. 
Uh, so yeah, I mean, mist is just kind of more of a church thing. I feel now, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Okay. So yeah, let's, uh, let's move on over there. So their minor guild is the order or the Sothesians, which I feel like they now just call the order because people had a tough time pronouncing Sothesians. <laughs> yeah, they're like, how the hell do we even pronounce this? Yeah. We can't even say this guild, but basically it's the, it's the church and, uh, specifically like more of like an inquisition like dude i I tell you what theme of the church this guild is fucking fun like if you love having fun like it's kind of like kramer from seinfeld where they're just like who wants to have some fun (laughs) (laughs) if you want to have fun play some order man this guild is bananas i i feel like the order is a very competitive minor guild because they, they can are. definitely get three goals, and they can get three to- goals in like two and a half, to, or like a turn and a half. So they they are they introduced a mechanic called the ball of light, which it doesn't matter like where the actual ball is. the The order has their own ball of like holiness floating around, and they can kick it around, and you can have that and the regular ball in your possession. Now. This now being a mechanic has made the order one of the few guilds that can pretty much get a goal first activation, first turn, just because of the movement shenanigans of brisket and vet or uh, season spigot. So it's just, which is cool because they need to score goals and they needed a resource to use when the ball was killed or the other team had the ball. And yeah, that ball of light has made them really effective. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to break these guys out again and get some fun with them. But I, see, here's the thing though. I would also argue though that their damage output is kind of, you know, like people don't talk about it, but the damage output from Spigot, uh, Fangtooth, and Harry can be pretty strong with this guild as well. Yeah, like the thing that I like about them is I feel like they can very, very reasonably play a three Oh game where they're scoring three goals. But the, if they aren't able to get the third goal, the two, two game is super reasonable too. So yes, you're never going to get all takeouts with them or something like that, but I do feel like it presents a problem for your opponents where it's like, well, shit, man. Cause if I, if I try to deny them the two goals or if I try to deny them the three goals, they will get two takeouts. Like yeah, it's almost impossible. I, and if I get careless, them, then they're going to need three goals. Yeah. When I played against them, I had to play against them twice at, uh, at old Jake's house that last year. And, I probably would have been in bigger trouble except for that I had Skulk and Skulk just shuts down a lot of scoring. Okay. And even and even then they still almost got that third goal. They they didn't get the takeouts just because um I was able to isolate their takeout um position pieces with all the pushing I could do. But yeah, even with Skulk with the rat catchers who is a very defensive uh piece against goal scoring they still almost got three goals on me and it it didn't go too long either. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I really like the order. I really like the aesthetic of them. Like, they're uh, other than, like, brisket, they're almost all wearing, like, these masks that cover their faces. There's very much, like, an Assassin's Creed feel to them. Um, I I really, really like the order. And so, yeah, have, have, have fun with these guys. And I think that you'll be able to, uh, you know, get some really creative options out of them. Um, is there an auto include here for the order? Uh, if I was going to pick an auto include, there's, there's two that I would always bring. And it's kind of between those two. I would always bring Harry the hat just because of his inspiring hat and singled out abilities. Um, yeah. So, and for those that are, are listening and just kind of a tip for new players again, um, Harry the Hat's inspiring hat ability enables them to use momentous actions without having to spend momentum. So like as they're kicking around that ball of light that is only theirs. They're just getting momentum. Yeah, they're getting a lot of momentum, but a lot more movement because of that Harry the Hat arm. And so he's really important in there. Um, Who's the other one that you would say? Uh, The other one I like is Season Spigot just because – he has balls gone and he also has reading the game where he can make a pass without spending influence. And he also has close control. So uh, he also has a really cool result on four, which is a tackle push dodge. So I also like that one as well. So he's just, he's a cool model. I, I love the actual sculpt of that model. Cause he has like these, you know, order um, symbol kind of knuckles or I, they're, they're not yeah, like, they're like that. these brass knuckles, but like they've got like these, these, uh, rays of light spikes on him. Yeah. 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 yeah he's, he's cool. He's cool as shit. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, I, I really like season spigot and man, vet fang tooth is such a cool model. Like they're, they're just, these guys are just awesome. I, I fucking love the order. Yeah. They're, they're cool. They did a good job with this guild when they, uh, when they buffed it. So, Kudos to Steamforge for that. So, and then the other thing is with that, just to, I don't know why I'm like just so going gaga over the order right now, but um, the other thing is if you get the order box, the additional models that you need in terms of Mist and Harry are models that have all sorts of like alternate sculpts and stuff. So they're actually easier to find than most. Yeah. And so. It, this one is one that is a convenient and viable way to just buy like a box and then get two extra models and have everything you need to play. So I like that element too. So Mist and Harry are the ones that can play down to the order. And then Grace and Benediction are the two that can play for the uh, union. So those are the play up, play down models. Yeah. Oh, also they have a fucking lion. Yep. The lion's annoying too, because the Lions actually like neuters other goal scoring teams against you because basically the Lion has counter or sorry, rush keeper, which is, you know, counter charge. And then it also makes it where it's harder for you to shoot a goal because you got to spend extra influence to make a shot. But pro tip, be careful about how you use that Lion because there are times where you would rather have the person score so that you can get the ball back and keep scoring on their ass. Sure. Um, so shutting down someone's scoring isn't always the option that you want to take. It might be a better option to say, hey, I've got this lion, 
So if I need to shut down the scoring because uh, there is a opportunity to get the two takeouts and move it to a two two game, then use the lion. But don't just use the lion by default. Yeah, I was gonna say something else. People need to also keep in mind is just because you have rush keeper doesn't mean you have to stay by the goal. Like there are certain parts of the game where it's like, okay, this this model's doing literally nothing back here. Let me go ahead and push them up the pitch and get them, you know, active in the game. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's well, man, we did it. We, we got all the guilds. Yeah, we and, talked about uh, all of them. Yeah, I mean, this is like this, a nice long been... double episode for all of you that are listening. And so, yeah, please uh, pass this along to new players that are trying to discover what guilds they want to get into, or if they really want to get into guild ball. Um, hopefully we are helping to do some of the work in your area by giving you this resource and teaching people about the game. Um, for those that are new players that are listening to us for the first time, uh, you know, please follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Um, we'll try and give you even more resources and we will definitely make a conscious effort to give you content that isn't always geared for the top end but is geared for people at kind of all play levels. And so we, we really appreciate you listening and uh, we look forward to giving you more content. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we like putting out stuff, you know, obviously like we, we like to try hard and stuff, you know, we, we definitely have that try hard mentality, but um, we always, we also remember that, you know, there are new people coming into the game and it is important to put out content for those new people. That way they can get a general idea of what's going on and how things work and, you know, just really get kind of just improved in the game and kind of like why people do certain things in the game. And, um, I like that we talked about all the guilds because I don't think people do a good job breaking down the guilds as far as like general play style models and like how things work. So I, yeah, I, I hope people get something out of this and even even experienced players, I feel like, can get something out of it as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see if they do. Probably <laughs> just getting a lot of complaints out of the more experienced players, but that's, well, that's normal. Actually, you guys said... <laughs> I, just, I just know there's going to be like somebody that has to be like, oh, well, let me give you a correction on something. And I'm like, yeah, I know, we didn't go over that because... This is for the new players. Yeah. So shut the hell up. No. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> we, we appreciate all of that. Um, we appreciate you listening. And uh, yeah, there, there are definitely things where we tried to keep it kind of, you know, light and surface level in this episode. And we hope that we can dig into a little bit more of those meaty details in the future. All right. We'll go ahead and sign off uh, there, Joe, the plumber. Okay. Listen, you need to update that because that's from like 2008. Well, sorry. You're like a hundred years old right now. You're like we being we don't, have, we don't have Sarah Palin every year, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, for those of you that are listening for the first time and for those that have been with us for a long, long time, we will see you next time. And until then, roll dice, throw salt, we're out. Peace.